It's delightful to be back with you today. I know that we certainly appreciate Brother Dennis and the fantastic lessons he brought last Sunday, but certainly we're delighted to be able to be back with our brothers and our sisters in Christ today. Good to see each and every one in presence today, and we hope that all is well with you. I know that some are dealing with sicknesses and other things in their families, and it is truly our hope and prayer that the great blessing of God toward improvement in those ways will soon be experienced. The lesson of the day today is one, as you can see, entitled on the walls behind me, A Day in Thy Courts. A moment ago, Brother Colonel read from the 84th Psalm, and I will invite you to turn back to that location. We'll be devoting almost all the lesson today to an appreciation from certain verses of that, of that fantastic chapter, Psalm chapter 84. As we begin those thoughts, though, these introductory ones could easily be stated like this. You and I know it well that the sum total of our decisions will make our life. As we proceed from day to day and we make choices, we make decisions, then those will, of course, have consequences and they will dictate the kind of individual we shall be and the kind of person that we will become. As I thought about delivering this lesson today and one that would certainly be suitable, it's not only that season that we consider readily to be Christmas, but of course it's also the end of a calendar year. There's only a few days left in the year 2019, and then you and I will turn a calendar over to become 2020. With God's blessing toward that end, wouldn't it be fair at least to ask this? Are there things in your life or mine? that this would be a good time to reflect upon, a good time to revisit, a good time to make a determination to perhaps start something that will be an improvement in the year 2020 compared to what it was in 2019. Again, the decisions you and I make will, of course, have the consequences, and they will determine the sum total of our life. Psalm 84 will be about that very topic. As you and I close that slide then together, May I say that we're going to read the entirety of it. It's not a very lengthy psalm, actually. And it's going to begin like this. The first four verses are the first section of the chapter, and they read as follows. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, longeth, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Now when you encounter that word Selah in the Psalms, it is a word that gives you a thought of division. In other words, that's a nice breaking point. It it's as though that ends verse 1 of a song, and verse 2 is going to start with the next verse. And so let's reflect for a moment on the four verses we just read. You may notice verse number 1 brings us the following. The King James uses this word amiable. As you can see on the slide, that word really has the thought of lovely. The psalmist reflected upon the nature of the tabernacle of God. It would seem that the psalmist had forcibly been removed from that tabernacle. He no longer had access to it. 
he perhaps due to enemies or others had been hauled away or taken away or perhaps under threat, forced to remain distant from him. Verse number 2 in that situation says, My soul, my soul longeth, even fainteth for thy courts. The psalmist so desperately wanted to be where that tabernacle was. He so greatly wanted to have access to it and to be able to enjoy it, but he couldn't. My soul longeth, yea, fainteth for that tabernacle. As you can see on that slide, that tabernacle, verse number 3, offered a place of safety. That place connected them to God. As long as the tabernacle was standing... It's Ark of the Covenant inside, the characteristic features of its furniture like the golden candlestick and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. They had a connection to God. And the psalmist no longer was near that tabernacle. He'd been taken away from it. And how desperately he longed one more time for that tabernacle. You'll notice in verse number 4, a blessing is pronounced. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Do you feel blessed? The church today is the house of God, 1 Timothy 3.15. If you're in it, you have every right to feel blessed and honored. You're God's chosen people. If you live faithful to Him, heaven's your home. What a great reward and hope, of course, is attached to that reality. But may I say that those opening verses have brought before us this tabernacle and the sad statement that the psalmist wasn't near it. Let's go to the next section. What about verse 2? Verses 5 through 8. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, Hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. There's that word Selah again, ending verse 2, if you please. What has been the thrust of the second verse? What idea has been so powerfully asserted? Well, you'll notice on the slide, there's a dramatic blessing in verse 5 pronounced upon those whose strength is in God. Where's your strength? Do you trust in yourself, your health, your capacity, your skill, your capability? Or do you realize that without God, you're nothing? And without God, you have no hope, Ephesians 2 verse 12. Well, maybe the psalmist reminded those of that day as well as himself, and of course you and I as well, that those are blessed who realize that they must acknowledge God. Let's go to verse 6 who passing through the valley of weeping, that word baka literally means to weep, even in times of sorrow and times of oppression, can you see the glorious light of God's goodness beyond? Can you feel His powering and His towering presence with you? Look at how the verse ends. The rain also filleth the pools. You know, even when things are at their worst, there are reasons you and I can feel blessed. There are reasons we still can understand God's goodness to us in other avenues of life. Look at verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeared before thee. Zion was where Jerusalem was. 
That was where the temple was located. They in Zion know the strength of God. Do you know it? Do you dwell day by day in it? Verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. As a faithful child of God, you have an avenue called prayer. Those in the world aren't blessed with this. John 9, 31, God there testified, I don't hear the prayers of sinners. He doesn't have interest in them, but the prayers of His faithful children. He loves to hear them, and He relishes in the thought of answering according to His wisdom. If you're a faithful child of God, you have access to the awesome, infinite ruler of this universe. One who is powerful enough to do whatever it is that He wills to be done. So far as we've looked at Psalm 84, I hope we've been reminded of a number of things, but may I say that the last stanza is still before us. Let's finish the psalm. Behold, O God, our shield... And look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Verse number 9 began that third stanza by saying, Behold. That's a word of emphasis in the ancient Hebrew, and it brings before us, Our God is our shield. Look upon the face of thine anointed. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's the one who offers and makes available that which we need. Verse number 10 is the verse I've chosen for the lesson text. A day in thy courts is better than a thousand. One day with God is better than any number without Him. Doesn't matter what else we have to endure. Doesn't matter what else we may experience. One day with Him is far better than any number without Him. Now, as the psalmist made that statement, verse number 10 would amplify it by saying this, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. If only I can do nothing but be a steward and open and close the door for those that enter. Lord, that's enough. If I can just be in thy tabernacle, I'd rather be a doorkeeper there than enjoy any number of blessings in wickedness outside. How do you feel about that? And how do I feel? Is one day with the Lord, even as a doorkeeper, do you esteem it better than any number, even a thousand, invested any other way? That's a great question, isn't it? That's a sobering thought. So much so that we're going to, by and large, devote the remainder of the lesson this morning to elaborating upon that, that idea. Verses 11 and 12 end the psalm like this. Again, God is our sun and shield. He'll give grace and glory and will withhold nothing good from those that are His children. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. In the statements that follow, I'm going to ask all of us some questions. These, of course, are personal. And they will have in view the year ahead. 
as I mentioned, this certainly is a time when many will make priorities or they will see the need or at least a good idea to make changes in light of things that are the new year. This psalm has prompted these questions. Number one, verses 1 and 2 had made note of how lovely, how amiable were God's tabernacle and how the psalmist fainted, how he longed so desperately for it. Well, these questions. How do you and I feel about the institutions of God? Do you love them? Be honest with yourself. Do you love them? Is the church more valuable than anything else? If so, you'll be here on Wednesday night, and you'll be here on Sunday morning Bible study, and you and I will be here at the various times the church meets. If it's more important than anything else, that's only a question you and I each can answer. How do we feel about it? The psalmist longed for the tabernacle. He wasn't able to enjoy its placement at the time, again, due to forcefulness apparently. How would you and I react if we were unable to attend the services of the church? Would it bother you? Would it bother me? If I became ill and couldn't come for months on end, would it bother me? Would it bother you? If it wouldn't bother me, I'd say you and I have got a heart problem. We should love the church of our Lord. So much so that much like the psalmist, our heart longs for it. Look at these additional questions. If it could be said that the psalmist longed for that Old Testament tabernacle this way, you and I live today in a time when there is no physical place in Jerusalem anymore. That was destroyed a long time ago. But what the Lord has put in place is the church, and it's even far greater than the tabernacle was. We're told that in Hebrews chapter 8. Does it not then seem we ought to love the church then even more than the psalmist loved the tabernacle? More than he loved those laws that took place there. If you and I need to make some changes in our life in terms of manifesting that love, may we do that in the coming year realizing that when we assemble, when we meet, we certainly wish to do nothing but lift high God's truth and implant it in our heart and strive to live by it. There's no better place we could be. Look at the second observation. We've noted earlier the psalmist found strength. Notice again verses 3 and 4. Found strength in that tabernacle, the connection to God. As I asked it earlier, we may ask something like it again. Where is your real strength? Where is it to be found? Do you trust in your mental capacity? I can figure it out myself. I know that's tempting. And quite frankly, that is an oft-utilized means of the devil. When it comes to matters in religion and the thoroughfare through life, our strength must rely on the Lord. Look at verse 12 again. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. There's a blessing pronounced, of course, to those who have placed their confidence, their trust in the things of God. As far as the third observation, do you find security in Jesus? We've often noted, and it's easily observed, isn't it? The world is rather antagonistic to Christianity today. That wasn't true a few decades ago, but it certainly is true today. 
But do you feel security in Jesus? We often sing that song that all is well with my soul. In Christ, we certainly can sing that with a great deal of confidence and a great deal, in essence, of positive consideration. In this connection, I have asked it this way. The psalmist on two occasions said God was his shield and God was his son. Who is your son? Who is your shield? As you and I sojourn through this life, our days here are at best rather brief. Like a vapor that appears for a little time or a little while and vanishes away, James 4.13. When we depart from this place, relying on our own strength will have availed us nothing. But if we have trusted in the Lord and we've placed our confidence in Him, He will carry us beyond that Jordan River of death, and that which lies beyond will only be the better. Isn't that what Paul said? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you and I can't with confidence feel that way, then we need to make some changes, repentance, and do some things differently. That security only leads me to close that slide. The treasure of prayer we've often relied on here, we trust in it. Not only in matters of sickness, but even in matters of forgiveness. And quite often in those matters in which we beseech God's guidance. Because we don't know the way to go, and yet we pray for Him to give us wisdom and insight. Help me make this decision. Have you often prayed to God like that? I know we have. May we, in fact, use that as we now apply it, those sentiment, these sentiments at least, in the ways I'd ask you here on this slide. The applications of the New Testament are rather easy to make. Beginning in Psalm 89, 1, or Psalm 84, verse 1, How amiable are thy tabernacles! The loveliness attached to the church, I've asked you to think of it like this. I try to think of some ways, hopefully, to make this easily applicable to each of us. And so if you look at various choices, I'd like to ask some things of each of us. And of course, as you and I make our answers, we need to be honest with ourselves. First one is this one. What would you choose and what would I choose if you were literally and I given the choice? You may live faithfully to God in poverty or you can have the wealth of the owner of Amazon. Which would you choose? If you and I had the wealth of Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, and when I last checked... That wealth is now in excess of $111 billion. That's with a B. If God gave you and I the choice, you can live on this earth for some number of years, but it'll be in modest means at most. It may even be poverty compared to many others. Or you can have all the wealth. Which would you choose? Now, I suppose in a place like this, wouldn't it be easy to say, well, I'll choose to live faithfully with God. Do your choices tomorrow indicate that? Do your choices Tuesday indicate that? What about Wednesday night or Thursday night? You see, sometimes we say one thing, but our choices in life may really indicate that our heart's leaning in a different direction. That's really an amazing question, isn't it? If God gave you and I the choice, 
And remember, he gave Solomon, you choose anything you want and I'll give it to you. Solomon could have asked for wealth untold and God would have given it to him. But Solomon was wiser than that, at least at that point in life. He asked for an understanding heart and he asked for wisdom. What would you and I ask for? What about the next question? Also on the slide, which would you choose? If the God of heaven gave you and I a choice, you live faithfully with me, but sadly you're going to enjoy poor health. Or you can live to be age 105 and you'll never have a health problem. Which would you choose? What does faithfulness mean to us when seen that way? Would I be glad to trade the faithfulness for good health? You notice the psalmist said, One day... In your courts is better than a thousand otherwise. Which would you and I choose? It really is a profound question, isn't it? Multiplied millions in our day would be quick to choose the health. Service to God just isn't that important to many people. You and I know that there's an eternity, of course, to be faced. I trust we would choose wisely. In 1 Timothy 4, verse number 8, There, the inspired writer pointed this out. God, no bodily exercise, not to say it's completely unimportant, but he says it profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Isn't that a wonderful thought? You'll notice in each one of those questions, I have put the word or in capitals. What if it's a choice? I must choose one or the other. I can't at the first choose both. Which would you and I choose? The third question is going to be much like them. It really relates again to the length of life. The last question touched upon good health. Many people love the thought of a long life. I want to live to be 100. Or I want to live to be 105. Or 110. Several Bible characters did, of course. Well, what if God made that offer to you? You You can live faithfully, but you'll only live on this earth a few years. Or you can live to be age 105, but it won't be a faithful set of years. What would we pick? Is faithfulness that important to us? Would we value the long life more? Now these questions, again, are not things that we're asking for verbal answers, but by the choices we make every day, we're answering these questions. How amiable are thy tabernacles? Do we love the things of God more than, say, long life, the things like money and wealth? It's not to say those things are unimportant and we value our life, of course, but what is the most important? The next question on that slide, what would you choose If God gave you and I the opportunity to select to be a notable international figure with fame and notoriety, or perhaps to die virtually unknown but faithful, which would you choose? No, many people love the thought of a name. They want the recognition in the mind of others. Is that the most important to you and me? I would hope that like the psalmist, we would appreciate that I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
than to enjoy any number of things in the matters related to wickedness. You see, we have the opportunity to make some changes as the new year comes. And as we make those changes, I hope these questions prompted by Psalm 84 will help us think about the need for those things. Look at the next one. I know none of us thrill at the thought of problems, at least for the most part. And yet life seemingly brings so many of them. What if God gave you the choice? You can live a life with no problems. I'll take away all the challenges and difficulties and oppressions and afflictions, but you'll die lost. Or you'll have a life of faithfulness, but it'll be full of problems. Which would you choose? Which would I choose? You know, we just don't like problems for the most part, but is faithfulness so important, we would gladly choose the problems together with the faithfulness. I've asked you to notice Job 14.1, even the ancient man Job highlighted, this life is full of troubles, also of, of, of a few days. Well, that sentence, you see, if we were given the opportunity to remove it, would we choose to stay faithful? Faithfulness should mean everything to us. As you close that slide with me, you'll notice that it brings us to one more. Same kind of question, what would you and I choose? This time the question is this, living faithfully with Jesus. If God said, you, I'll be with you and you can live faithfully with Jesus, or you'll have all the pleasures you want, together with the devil, which would you choose? There's no doubt. And there are some who in our day would be bold enough to say, sin doesn't bring any pleasures. I don't believe that's true. The Bible even talks about the pleasures of sin. Sin is pleasurable for a while. Sin is pleasurable for a little while. But there comes a time you've got to pay for the sin. It has consequences every time. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Therefore, may I say that if you and I had the choice, surely we would want to choose Jesus, even if it meant short life, even if it meant a life full of problems, even if it meant living in poverty. We sure still would wish in wisdom to choose the faithfulness even as a doorkeeper in the house of God. Let's close that slide like this. I've placed it in bold because I think that's the major lesson that you and I can extract from the things we've studied this morning. We mustn't love this world or the things that relate to it like money, notoriety, fame, wealth, possessions. We can't love them more than God. If we do, we aren't following the pattern of Psalm 84. We, don't, we wouldn't consider the Bible, the church, to be the thing that God has given to us. And therefore, as we close that slide, we also close the sermon. Psalm 84 has been a setting of backdrop about the tabernacle, the temple, but we've applied it in the New Testament way. We live in a better day, the church era. Do we love the church? Do we love the gospel? Do we love Christ more than we love these other things we've highlighted, such as long life or riches untold, or things connected, if you please, to life without problems? Rest assured, 
that God hasn't promised to take the problems away. What He's promised is, I'll be with you as you face them. And I will provide you with the necessary strength, just as Paul and that thorn in the flesh. I won't take it away, but my grace is sufficient. If you and I are faithful to the Lord, then like Psalm 84 tells us in verse 12, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. You'll be blessed. I'll be blessed if we'll be faithful to Him. And as the year ends and the new year approaches, if we need to make changes, manifesting that love and that faithfulness, it's time to do it. Whether that be in connection to attendance at the services, our characteristic of involvement in the church's activities, whatever those may be, then it's an opportunity to show and to manifest and to make plain our love for the Lord. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord God. Psalm 84, 1. Today, if there's someone in the audience and you would wish to make a statement, you would wish to beg God's forgiveness of you for things you've said or done or not said or not done, we'd be delighted to pray to God on your behalf. If you once have known the faithfulness of walking as a child of God, but as of today you're not, you know it, others know it, You've made choices and decisions that frankly have been an insult to the cause of Christ Jesus. Then I hope today that you'll make the necessary changes. And Jesus, more than anything else, wants you to make them because He knows your life will be the best if you'll faithfully serve Him. If you've never become a Christian, though, what better day to end the year 2019 and to start the year 2020, than to start it as a faithful child of God. You need to believe in Jesus with all your heart. We read that, of course, in John 8, 24. You need to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 5. You need to confess the sweet name of Jesus as the Son of God, and you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. If we could be of assistance in those ways today, what a glorious day for you, for all eternity it would be. If we could help, why don't you come while together we stand and while we sing.